I want you to take your Bible and go to the 71st Psalm uh, tonight. I think you got a listening outline uh, as you uh, came in. And I'm going to be looking at two verses of Scripture in Psalm 71 to jump off from verses 17 and 18. One year ago, last week, I sat by a little body of water in the nation of Scotland. Uh, our church gave us... Uh, for our 25th anniversary, a trip, and we had waited a while, and we took it. We uh, traced the Great Awakening Trail through England, also went to Normandy. I just tell you, every American ought to go to Normandy Beach. Wow. Uh, we can only be here tonight because some brave Americans did go to Normandy Beach. What a great place. And then we made our way through uh, Wesley and uh, all up into the Great Awakenings and uh, Spurgeon's Tabernacle. And then we wound up in Scotland just for a day or two, and I sat by a little body of water, and I said, Lord, I'm not done. I'm in my 63rd year, but I'm not done. But I do know I'm in the fourth quarter. But I'm in the first minute of the fourth quarter. I may die before I get home. Well, none of us know that. But, Lord, I'm, I'm moving into that early stage of the fourth quarter of my ministry. God, I, I, I want to finish well. I just need a fresh word. In Psalm 71, as I sat there by that little body of water and watched swans swimming and birds flying, God spoke these words to this preacher. We don't know who wrote Psalm 71. Now, most people think David did, but we don't know. We're not certain. Spurgeon said David wrote Psalm 71. That's good enough for me, all right? But we think it's David in the latter stage of his life. And in Psalm 71, David, we believe, Prayed this prayer. Oh God, you have taught me from my youth. And I still declare your wondrous deeds. And even when I am old and gray. Oh God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation and your power. To all who are to come. David said, oh God, since I was a little boy, you, you taught me. <laughs> you taught me. But oh God, don't, don't give up on me now. Don't stop teaching me even when I'm old and gray. How many men in here tonight would be honest enough to say I'm old and gray? Raise your hand and say amen. Yeah. David said, when I'm, when I'm old and gray, oh God, don't give up on me. Don't until, until I can do two things, until I can tell two things. Until I can tell this present generation. Now most people say that's our millennial crowd. I love millennials. I do. I, I love that crowd. They thrill me. I've got several on my staff. I don't understand a lot about them, but I, I do, I love their passion. I got me a pair of millennial blue jeans the other day. And they got holes in them. 
my mom was 84, I wore them home and I went to bed and she patched them overnight while I was, uh, I got up the next day, put my pants on, my mom would fix my, my hot dollar blue jeans. I don't understand all that, but, but I like the passion that I see. And David said, oh God, don't give up on me. Till I can tell the millennial generation would be our application about your strength and the coming generation about your power. Now the word strength and power are two different words in the Hebrew tongue. The word strength often speaks of the arm. Of God, His right hand is not shortened that He cannot reach and save to the, uh, the uttermost. It, God's power. There are times when you need a physical manifestation of the strength of Almighty God. You just need Him to show up, speak out, and do something we can't do. But now the word power in this Hebrew word speaks not of an outward manifestation, but of an inward manifestation. Dr. Burris needed both of these things today. He needed the inner peace that everything was going to be okay, that you would just rest in Christ. (sighs) It's going to be all right. And then God come and touch my body. Do something fabulous, miraculous, supernatural. David said, oh God, don't don't give up on me until I can show the present generation your strength. And those that are to come, your power. How did David know about that? How did David know the strength and power of God? Well, he says in this text, you have taught me from my youth. I've outlined for you tonight and you got it on the way in. It'll come up on the screens. I, I just want to quickly, one, two, three, four, five. I want to show you seven places where God taught David since he is a kid. God taught me since I was a little boy. I got saved when I was 10 years old. Vacation Bible school. 53 years ago this summer. Jesus stepped out of heaven, stepped into my heart and saved me. Since I was t- And then when I was 17, God called me to preach. I've been a preacher since I was 17 years old. I was a junior in high school and God touched my heart and said, I want you to preach. I, I wanted to coach. That's what I want to do. I was involved in athletics all my life. And a lot of my people still call me that. i just been coached the way I pastor. I coach. That's the way I do it. And I don't know if that's the right way, but it's my way. And uh, I, I go at it like that and forming teams and leading people. And uh, that's kind of the... Way I go at it. God's been teaching me. I sit on the back row of a country church, drawing in the zeros in the worship guide. Had my pen, coloring in all the O's and the zeros and the P's and the Q's. And, and I'm telling you, like the thunder we've heard tonight, the voice of God spoke into my heart. Adrian Rogers used to say, he didn't hear God out loud, it's louder than that. God spoke into my heart and said, I, I want you to preach my gospel. I said, Lord, I, not me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to coach college basketball. I'll make $2 million and I'll give you half of it if you just won't make me preach. I, 
Tell you, you can't buy your way out of God's direction in your life. Trust and obey no other way. God taught me since I was a little boy. Well, he did the same thing with David. He taught him since he is a, a little boy. He, he taught Let, Let's see how God taught David very quickly tonight. Number one, he taught him first through what I call the shepherd's crook. The shepherd's crook. David is a shepherd. He's out on the backside of nowhere sitting on a rock holding a stick watching sheep. I don't know if you ever met a shepherd or not. First time I went to Israel, I met a shepherd boy just like David. He's a little fella. He couldn't have been 10, 11, maybe 12 years old. And we were college kids and we wanted to touch the sheep. We saw them. They were in a group and we wanted to touch the, the lambs. And we went to them. We heard this scream. We didn't understand the word. We looked over here and there's a little boy with a big stick and he came running out of the rocks where he's sitting. I didn't understand the word he said, but I understood every word that he said. <laughs> you touch my sheep, you deal with my stick, all right? That's where David was. He's on the backside of nowhere watching the sheep. And that's where God spoke. Hear me, friends. There are some things you will never learn from God till you get by yourself alone in a quiet time in a holy place, just you and God. Your mama can't teach it. Your daddy can't teach it. Your pastor hadn't got the word. God and God alone with a shepherd's crew. Just a little shepherd. You see, David never writes the 23rd Psalm unless he hears the voice of the shepherd on the backside of nowhere. you got to get alone with God if you're going to know his strength and power. He taught him through the shepherd's crook. Secondly, he taught him through the sling with Goliath. You know that out of 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 40 where David is out there and his daddy calls him. Jesse says, hey, go up to the front and see how it is with your brothers. And, and so he, he gives him, the Bible says he gave him wine and cheeses. Now being Baptist tonight, he just went with cheese, all right? But... Uh, but but he went up to see how it was at the front. And when he got there, you know the story. One of the most taught stories in all the Bible. He got to the front and there was that uncircumcised Philistine, nine foot six inches tall, cursing the God of Israel. And David said, won't somebody do something about this? They said, no. David said, I'll do it. They put the armor of Saul on him, and you, you know that story. It hung off of him because Saul was a big man. David was not. He's just a young shepherd boy. That helmet spun like a top on his head. He took that off. He went down. He got five smooth stones, put them in the shepherd's pouch. He went down with his sling, and you know the story. He hit him right square in the forehead. He fell, cut his head off, and God gave victory. Let me tell you, you'll never learn about the strength and the power of God until you know what God's called you to do, and you step out by faith and do it even when you cannot see one believable sign that it's going to work. That's called walking by faith. That's how you learn of the strength and the power of Almighty God. You, you learn it with a shepherd's crook. You, you learn it with the sling of Goliath. Thirdly, you learn it with the arrows of Jonathan. Now, First uh, Samuel chapter 20 and verse 37, the Bible says that Jonathan uh, became like a brother to David. And, and yet David and Saul had had a falling out. And you know your Bible history and David and Jonathan became very close and Jonathan said, I'm afraid you're going to have to leave the kingdom. Tomorrow I'm going to be shooting and I'll be out and there'll be a, a runner with me, a young man, and if I shoot the arrow far and he runs to fetch it, you know you have to go far. If I shoot short, you know you can stay. And David, 
hid in the bushes and Jonathan pulled the bow and the arrow went far. The young lad ran to fetch it and the Bible says that David came and fell on Jonathan's neck and kissed him, loved him. They departed. Friends, let me tell you, you'll only learn about the strength and the power of God when you're all alone on the backside of the desert. You'll only learn it when you step out by faith. But let me tell you, you must build strong friendships to know the strength and the power of God. That's what the church is all about. Well, you've got friends that stick closer than a brother. Amen? I mean, closer than your physical family, Jonathan was to David. And you need to build friendships. If you want to have friends, Proverbs says, be one. Some of you need to practice that friendship and picking up and and being a friend to someone. Boy, I thank God for the friends God put in my life. I've been at Olive Baptist Church for 27 years, 26 of the happiest years of my life. There was 1997. It was not fun. Man, we were just going, and I was a young preacher, and, but it was great, and we were in two services, we went to three services, and it was packed out, and people were coming, and we were getting ready to build a new building, and all of a sudden I had to make a change in one of the staffers, and it was hard, and people got mad. It's never a good meeting when... Somebody makes an appointment with you and brings 30 of their friends. When you have to move out of the pastor's office to a Sunday school room for your counseling appointment, it's not going to be good. It wasn't good that day. But God sent me three friends. I got the letter. Pastor, if you keep this up, we're going to burn your house down. That's from one of my church members. I know who she is. She'll be there Sunday. I buried her husband. I didn't kill him. I buried him. I I just want to make that clear. She sent me that letter. She didn't sign it. But I knew who it was. So how do you know? You can't prove it. I said, I can. I have four Florida Department of State Law enforcement officials in my church, two of which work for the handwriting division. I just use the tools God gives me. I, I, I just, and I've had the police spend the night in my house while I was gone for fear that somebody'd come. But I went home on May 19, walked and saw a car sit in front of my house. I thought, my Lord, they've come to get me. It was three of the dearest friends in all the world. And I walked down the steps in front of my house to the mailbox. I said, what are you guys doing here? They said, preacher, we've come to tell you we love you. If anybody's going to hurt you, they're going to have to come through us. Glory to God. God will put a Jonathan in your life. And that's how you know the strength and the power of God. I I live in rural. My mom and daddy do in rural northeast Alabama. My home's in Pensacola. It's 350 miles from Pensacola to my little town of Pisgah, Alabama. Just like where Moses looked over in the promised land. Spelled the same way. It's not the same town. 350 miles. Take you six hours if you drive quickly. They drove 350 miles to see my mom and daddy. 2 Samuel 23. 
Where David said, oh, I wish I had a drink of water from the well in my Bethlehem. Hmm. They went and got me a drink of water from my well. Brought a quart fruit jar of water, 350 miles up, 350 miles back. Six hours up, two hours. My mom and daddy, six hours back, spent a whole day. And they brought me a drink of water, a quart fruit jar, and said, Pastor, we want you to know we brought you a drink of water from your well. I'm here to tell you, you can build a church on men like that. How are you going to know the strength and the power of God? You, you're going to know it with a shepherd's crook and a sling of God. You're going to know it with the arrows of your friends like Jonathan. Make a friend and stick close. I got 5,000 friends on Facebook. That's all I'll let you have. Hey, I don't know how many you got, but let me let you on a little secret. Those are not your friends. <laughs> They're not coming when your house is on fire. You need friends and you need to be one. How do you learn the strength and the power of God? The shepherd's crook, sling of Goliath, the heirs of John. Number four, the javelin of Saul. The, now, don't miss this. You'll only know the strength and the power of God when you read in 1 Samuel 18, 11, 1 Samuel 19, 10. Uh, the Bible says that David came into the city and the ladies started singing. And they said, Saul is slain his thousands and David is slain his tens of thousands, and the green-eyed monster of envy and jealousy got on Saul, and one night at dinner, while Saul was at the table, and David was playing the instrument, the musical instrument, Saul picked up a javelin and threw it across, and it hit in the wall, the Bible said. It happened two times. Now, my wife's a home economics major. I'm just from the country. I don't even know which fork you use half the time. But I can tell you right now, it is bad etiquette to throw a javelin at dinner. (laughs) I know that. Hear me. When the blessing of God comes on your life, There will be others in your church that will become envious of you and will try to bring you down. I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about religious folks. Envy will rise up and and they will speak all matter of evil again. And you'll have to trust God and learn His strength and power is sufficient for any moment, even when the green-eyed envious person comes against you. God help us. From the shepherd's crook, the sling of Goliath, the heirs of Jonathan, javelin of Saul. Number five, David was taught with the faithlessness of Joab. Oh yeah. Now David was a leader. He had a general by the name of Joab. Joab ran everything for David. I'm telling you right now, he was his right hand man. He was it. But when David came to the end of his life, Joab, who had been faithful every step of the way, turned his back on David and he backed Adonijah as the successor to David. Be careful that you don't Trust men more than you trust God because men will fail you. 
You've got to trust the strength and the power of God. Brother Ken, I, I have a lot of young preachers come see me now. I'm pretty sure Dr. Burris does that too. Uh, I have churches call me now. And they say, can we talk to you? They don't want me to come be their pastor. They don't really want no 63-year-old preacher. And that's good. Because the only way I'm going somewhere else is if you can take my people with me. <laughs> I, I like my people. If you'll move my olive people with me, I'll come be your pastor somewhere. All right? I love my people. But, but they come ask me questions. Hmm. And they say, boy, it must be great if you stay 25 plus years in one church. Like you've had a pastor here in Kempton. Well, there's some great blessings come 25 plus years. But let me tell you, there's some negatives too. People that you win to Christ, you've loved them, you've raised them up, you, you've done everything that you know to do to be their pastor. One day, they just hit that door, they don't tell you anything, they just walk out, go across town, and go somewhere else, and you never know why. And if you've got a shepherd's heart, that breaks your heart. People will disappoint you. Joab had served all his life. But let me tell you, don't trust Joab. Learn from him. Be a friend to him. But when he walks out, remember God did not walk out on you. I had one of the hardest days of ministry I ever had last Friday. Barry Robertson in our church, 46 years old, was working out in his home gym, failed of a heart attack and died. Left his wife and two girls, a senior in high school and a freshman in college. I preached his funeral Friday. Sweet Jamie, his wife, looked at me in the foyer of the church, and I said, we're going to make it. She said, oh, pastor, let me tell you, Jesus has never, ever given up on me, and he's not going to start today. I said, glory to God, we got the, the widows preaching the sermon to the preacher and helping him. That's the truth. That's Bible truth. God never gives up on you. Joab may walk out, and David learned through the faithlessness of Joab. Number six, he, now, no, don't miss this. He, he learned through the faithfulness of Mephibosheth. You know who Mephibosheth is? Young people, you all know who Mephibosheth is? It's one of the greatest words in all the Bible. History, this is true. History says that when Jonathan Edwards, he, he had such a powerful Use of the language. Historians have recorded that when he would say the word Mephibosheth, women would swoon in the church. For me, just a country preacher, it's good because you can spit on the first six rows when you say Mephibosheth. Who in the world's Mephibosheth? David, when he got to the end of his life, he, he began to ask, he said, is there anybody else of the family of Saul that we can bless? This man had turned his back on him. And David said, can we bless anybody? And Ziba, Ziba said, oh yeah, 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 there's the grandson of Saul. His name's Mephibosheth. And when he was born, the midwives dropped him and he's lame in his legs. He can't walk. David said, bring him here. And they brought Mephibosheth. And the Bible says in 2 Samuel 9 and 8 that Mephibosheth came 
and bowed at the feet of David like a dead dog. He had nothing to offer but faithfulness. Do you know God will bless you and teach you things through people and circumstances that you really think God's not in this? <laughs> I got a little boy. His name's Josiah. He sat second row right here where this sweet girl's sitting. He sat second row every service, at 11 o'clock, second service every Sunday. He did it yesterday. He does it every time he's there. When service is over, he waits in line. He comes to see the preacher. He hugs my neck and he kissed me right here. He talks real fast, talks real fast. He's a special needs kid. He talks real fast. And he's, he, 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 he made a basket in upward basketball last year and they almost tore the gym down. I'm just telling you. He, I wish I'd have been there. I love little Josiah. You know, he's not as big as he ought to be because he's physically uh, disabled and, and he, he talks real fast and he's not mentally all uh, like all the other children. But he's the only one kisses the preacher every Sunday. I, mean, I don't even have deacons. Won't even hug my neck once a year. Here comes Josiah. Here about six months ago, Brother Ken, I'll never forget it. I was standing there and he, he walked up. He said, Brother Ted, Brother Ted, I want to tell you, we're talking to God, we're talking to God. God wants me to be a preacher just like you. That little boy walked off and I remember in my heart, I prayed. I said, dear God, don't hurt that little boy. I said, he's not going to be a preacher. He said, God, don't. And I heard, <clears throat> is the Holy Ghost ever clear his throat at you? <laughs> huh? He, he, said, uh, uh, he said, preacher, aren't you personal friends with David Ring? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, haven't you dressed David Ring before? He can't even put on his own cufflinks because his hands are like, and he talk, talk plain, and when he preaches, people get saved. He said, I use David Ring. I use Josiah if I want to. I started off and the Lord said, I'm not done with you yet. He said, I read the Old Testament. I used a jackass one time. He said, sometimes I even use you. <laughs> See, God will take what you think is, is really not much. And out of the faithfulness of a Mephibosheth, God will teach you his strength and his power. I call it, I, I had that little boy pray in church one Sunday. My Lord, the glory came down. I asked his mom, I said, can I have Josiah? She said, yeah, pastor, anytime. I asked him if he'd pray. He'd pray three sentences. Lord, we thank you that you love us. Thank you, Lord, I'm saved. That's what he said. And then Brother Ken, I, he said, Lord, I love my preacher. My Lord, if, if I could ever get through my thick, educated heart what he's got, we'll liable to have revival. See, God teach, teaches you strength and power through the shepherd's crook and the sling of Goliath, heirs of Jonathan, Javelin, Saul, the faithful, faithlessness of Joab, the faithfulness of Mephibosheth. And, and number seven, through the rebellion of Absalom. Mm-hmm. David's own boy. 
he rebelled. Joab, faithful Joab, came to David and said, Don't you think we ought to let him come back? He'd run him out of town. He'd run him off. He said, Don't you think we ought to let him at least come back? He said, He can come, but he can't come into the, ta- into the temple. He can't come up to the palace. And so Joab came and said, You can come back. And Absalom did. And Absalom, the Bible says, would go out and lean on the city gate. And when people would come up to get a judgment from David, and they'd come out, he'd watch them, and when he could tell they were not happy, Absalom would say, "Mm, if I were the king, it wouldn't be like this. Yeah. And he'd stand out there. And people would would come in to see David, and Absalom would say, y'all going in to see the boss. Let me tell you, if, if I were the king, it, it wouldn't be like he's fixing to tell you. I'd do you right. And the Bible says that Absalom stole the heart of Israel from David. He stole his heart. You know the story. David had to leave. He got on the king's mule and he left. He and his men went out and Absalom went after him to kill him. And Absalom was riding on his mule. And he went under the oaks of Mamre. You know the story. Most of us say that, that he got his hair hung in the oaks. Well, the Hebrew is really not his hair. Sorry to tell you. He got his neck hung in the oak tree. And a mule ran out from under and he's dangling there. And three men came running to Joab and, and said, The king's son hangs yonder in the tree. What should we do? And Joab said, Kill him. They said, No, we'll not touch God's anointed. And the Bible says that Joab took three spears and went to him while he's hanging in those trees and ran him through. They went back to the king and he said, how is it with my son? He said, he's dead. And David wept. Hear me, friend. Never lose the capability to weep over the brokenness of people, even those that have been revolting against you even your own children who rebel on God never get so hard hearted you can't build a bridge back to them anybody can say to a kid go on since I've been with you last I've walked through a family issue that's the hardest thing I've ever dealt with in my life I have two children my daughter is married to a wonderful man married have our two grandchildren My son, three years ago, went through a tragic divorce when his wife walked out. Tell you, Brother Ken, I wet the carpet with my tears. My son's a second-year law student, Liberty Law School. Hardest thing we ever walked through. Never, ever get so hard-hearted and full of yourself 
that you can't weep because I'm here to tell you, if you get that hard, God will bring you a cross and He will say, take up your cross. And the reason He gives you a cross is to break you. So that you'll fall on your face and say, oh God, help me. Help me, God, to know your strength and your power. Oh, David, he is a warrior, wasn't he? He is a warrior. I'm telling you what we need in the church. We need some warriors. Well, we need some people that'll pick up the cross, deny themselves, and come and follow Christ. I just finished on my little sabbatical time, the, if you've never read, the biography of C.T. Studd. C.T. Studd was a cricket player in England hundred years ago or more. He'd be like Tom Brady getting saved in America. C.T. Studd was that well-known and a great athlete. He got gloriously saved. God called him to the mission field. He got a great inheritance. His mom and daddy died and he gave it all away. He said, I'm going to trust God and God alone. He gave the first gift to start the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois. It's only a, a, a going today because C.T. Studd gave that first large gift. He started it. Three years in India, six years in China, 18 years in the heart of Africa. He was there the last 18 years of his life. He saw his wife two months or two, two weeks out of that 18 years. She was sick and in England and could not go with him. And he said, God's called me. She said, I'll stay in England, raise money. You go and preach in the heart of Africa. He'd write letters back to England, raising money and raising people to come. His most famous letter, as far as I know, is the one he wrote about chocolate soldiers. Go Google it tonight. Just put C.T. Studd, chocolate soldiers. Read the whole thing. It'll challenge your soul. You'll quit reading or get right with God, one of the two. He said, we, we've got people that have stopped being heroes in the faith, not soldiers of the cross, but chocolate Christians. He said they dissolve in water and they melt the first time there's a little heat in the warfare. He said they're sweeties, lollipops and bonbons. They're there on a glass table in little white frilly papers to take care of their delicate constitution. He said, my Lord and my God, that somebody will become a soldier of the cross again. Friend, you got to know the strength and the power of God. C.T. Studd and his sweet wife got married. I'm amazed today about weddings. It's just weddings. It's ungodly what people pay to get married anymore. I'm serious. I'm talking, you know, what is that? uh, The price of the dress deal that's on television, you know? Yeah. Say yes to the dress. I got a sermon entitled Say Yes to the Dress. Tell you, the Bible tells you how to dress. Amen. You're supposed to say yes to the dress. But $10,000, $20,000. When C.T. Studd got married, they got married in regular clothes, just what they wore every day, except she wore a sash on her right shoulder coming down. And it said, together for the, together for the cross. That's how they got married. They touched the world for God. Why? Because they were soldiers. Soldiers. They knew about the strength and the power of Almighty God. <laughs> oh, God, don't, don't give up on me. Lord, don't give up. I'm old and gray, but God, don't, don't give up on me till I can teach this coming generation about your strength and the generation to come about your power. 
Now, friend, it all begins with strength and powers. You, you bow yourself before God. That's where it all begins. It all starts there. You can know everything in your head. But you've got to take up your cross and follow Him. You, the biggest problem we've got in the church today is the little word self. You've got to die to self. You've got to get over self. You've got to get over your self-confidence, your self-will, your self-exaltation. Die to yourself and, and let God raise you up. You know everything God raises. It starts in a grave. That's where Jesus started. He raised Him. Every mighty oak tree starts in the grave where a little acorn dies. And out of that acorn, that grave, comes this huge oak tree. I'm telling you, everything in your life will be manifest out of a grave. When you die to self, it's there that God will begin to bring life. When we sing a song in a minute, I'm going to ask you across this room. Mostly tonight, I've preached to Christians that you would die to self. Say, oh, God, teach me strength and power. Some of you have got some things you've got to trust God for. It's never going to happen. You're never going to make it if you don't trust His strength and His power. You need to come tonight and fall in this altar and say, oh, God, I, I come to the end of myself. I come to die to self. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith. And the Son of God who loved me gave Himself for me. That, that you'd live through me incarnationally. But there's somebody in a crowd this size on a Monday night that doesn't know Jesus. Or you may be a church member. You may not be. But you know if death's call came tonight, heaven not be your home. Our instrumentalist is going to sing. I share this with you. When I buried, buried, buried Robertson, they, I noticed around his neck was a, something. I didn't know what it was. And I asked his wife, and I looked, she had one on. I said, I said, Melissa, what is that? She said, when we went to Africa on the last mission trip, an African Christian gave that to Barry, and I got one too. And, and his African language and the cut, it means God over all. And when they buried him, they put that around his neck. God over all. This old boy used to be a renegade. God saved him. He got right with God. He said God over all. That's what I'm calling you to do tonight. Brother Ken's going to be here at the front. I'm asking you to come simply say God over all. God over all. God over all. I want to lead us in prayer. And after I pray, we'll stand. And when we stand, I want you to come. Trusting Christ to save you. Coming to say, I give my life anew and afresh unto the Lord. God over all. God over all. Lord, teach me your strength and your power. Father, have your way. Draw me to yourself tonight. Draw these, my friends, to yourself tonight. God, I pray you do a fresh work in these stanzas of invitation and that people come say yes, yes to the death of self. We're on our feet all over this room standing. Andrew singing for us. As we sing, you stand, you stand, and you come, you come unto the Lord, unto this altar, unto brokenness before God.